everybody, it's Mark. We're back hanging out with some of my friends today. Julie Hoffman, the head of industry strategy from travel for travel from Adobe. And also, we're excited to welcome Natalie Tadena, who's an associate in the digital strategy group today. We're, we've got some pretty cool stuff to share, both research uh, as well as some some really cool stuff that the digital strategy group has been doing recently around around showcasing how companies should organize themselves for digital marketing success. So with that, what I want to do is kick off with with Julie, kind of talking us through what are some of the what are some of the priorities that travel companies need to have today, and then we'll bounce around for a little bit. Julie, take it away. Thanks, Mark, and welcome everyone who's joining us on the podcast. I am super excited to share with you some recent research. Uh, we've been looking at travel brands globally uh, to understand a little bit more about what their priorities are. Uh, so we see a th- three-prong priority focus. Uh, I don't really see any variance across brands. There might be some nuance in terms of which area is a higher focus than others, but all of them really resonate. Number one is around growing the client base. So we see that many brands' acquisition is a hyper-focus. Um, we obviously see a continuing increase in supply. The second one is deepening customer relationships. So this is all about how do you localize and enhance the experience, increase cross-sell, upsell. And then the third is around consistent, high-quality experiences. We know a lot of brands who are struggling between the offline world as well as the online world and, and connecting the dots between those twos, and as well as how do you attribute the impact of channel activity from one area of your space to another? How do you know that something happened in search um, and then later on someone's on a mobile device and an app and connect the experiences they might have had through that journey? So we see that most brands are focused on these three key areas. But recently what's come to our attention is that there is a pivot happening in travel. Uh, What we see is that a, a good portion of brands are not in the same dimension as the top 25%. So with that, Forrester Research uh, worked with us in partnership to come up with the the background around how are travel brands moving to the next echelon of becoming an experience-based business. And so what we see is around 25% of brands can actually say that they are operating in that manner. Now with that, they are seeing a 2x increase in their revenue streams compared to their competitive set. So this is a huge pivot point. 25% of brands are seeing significant uptick in performance compared to their peers. So we wanted to study that a little bit more and a little bit closer and understand what does that mean? Uh, what is the nuance around that? So we have a, an e-consultancy digital insights brief. And within that brief, we learned that there were five distinct ways in which these companies operated. Uh, the first is all around the customer. And it sounds simple. Like, how do I, you know, I put the customer first. What does that mean? It really means that no matter if you're in a specific channel or a specific department, that you really think about the customer in its entirety versus thinking about, I really want to grow the mobile channel or I really want to grow my overall sales. You really think about where is that customer and what are they doing? And it's, again, it sounds easier than it really is to achieve. They have cross-functional teams. So that means that they've actually started to take their teams to look at the customer and put them first. Uh, they describe themselves as digital first. Now, I would even say mobile first is, is of utmost importance. They use AI, and I have some stats on AI and how it's increasing, uh, but definitely the, the brands who have become experience-based businesses have become you know, very adept in using AI. 
And then they are very much design-driven with well-defined user journeys. So we see that these five areas really roll up to brands that have become an experience-based business and are really uh, maximizing their revenue streams. Now with that, I'd actually like to turn it over to Natalie, um, unless you have any thoughts on that, Mark. Uh, They have done some very robust research. I actually helped participate um, in all the the background that they've been developing, and I'm super excited to share it with everyone today. Um, So with that... Please, um, please go Thanks, ahead Thanks, Julie. So as Julie mentioned, many clients are coming to us asking us how to organize for digital marketing success. In light of this, our team here at DSG conducted some research looking at travel and hospitality brands, as well as companies in other industries, to really identify what are the leading organizational structures that address common digital challenges. Through our research, we identified three structures in particular. These are the centers of excellence, cross-experience teams, and agile marketing teams. Each of these structures best support a different challenge or goal that we see companies commonly face when they're thinking about their digital transformation. And all these teams help break down silos you commonly see across business units, channels, and functions, and really help foster stronger internal collaboration. Um, And I'm happy to go through these structures um, uh, for more color, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I would love it because, you know, when I, I got excited, I, I still remember when um, your team was uh, working um, on the, on the research and I had a chance to take a look at it and I, you know, I see so many brands globally and they all say the same thing. We may have moved titles, we may have moved roles, um, but we haven't necessarily started to operate differently. And we really don't even quite know what that looks like or how do we get there? So a roadmap to that is critical. And, and I, like I said, I got super excited because I saw your research. And I'm like, that's exactly uh, a lot of the questions have come my way. Um, and of course, you guys have done a great job of pulling it together. Thanks, Joy. So why don't I talk a little bit more about first the center of excellence, which is actually the structural element that we found was most common across the companies we looked at. And the center of excellence, or COE for short, um, is an element that best supports the goal of developing scale and digital capabilities. They help build expertise around a specific capability, share best practices across an organization. We see many examples of this in travel and hospitality, where we've seen COEs help educate organizations around a new digital skill or share learnings about a specific topic like loyalty. Within COEs, we generally have seen two types of manifestations of COEs. Uh, First, there's a centralized COE, which is responsible for both the governance and execution of a capability. And then a governance COE, uh, which is largely focused on standardizing a capability and empowering business units or brands within the organization to execute. Um, When we think about which model is best used for an organization, it really comes down to the capability maturity. If the capability is new and nascent, a centralized model might make more sense because it helps foster the capability and grow enthusiasm among brands or business units that may not have developed this capability yet. But if the capability has been around for a while and business units understand the value of it, um, but it might be siloed or you might see varying levels of implementation across brands and regions um, and learnings and best practices just aren't being shared in a systematic way, a governance COE is often the best approach. I know, Julie, you've had a lot of experience working with COEs in the past, right? Yeah, correct. As a Actually, as a practitioner for almost 20 years in travel and hospitality in Las Vegas, um, I'm sure you're aware of some of those brands. It's a small little town with about 43 million visitors annually. The interesting thing is that we had started uh, the process um, first just attempting a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of like a committee format where 
Uh, we standardized around um, functions and said, let's, let's meet um, regularly to talk about the things we want to implement because it really impacts all of these roles. And it was, I would consider that a little bit of a stepping stone. It wasn't, it wasn't a direct path for where we wanted to be, but the organization really wasn't ready to move right into a center of excellence. And that was, you know, step one. Step two, uh, they eventually had a restructure and they brought together a smaller subset team, more agile, that was focused solely on how do they think about the customer and then also the segmentation structure of the customer base. So instead of thinking about each brand as being the lens, they flipped it to luxury customers, core customers, and then subsets within that, you know, customers that might be more focused on solo travel or who might have an interest in um, different types of experiential aspects of the entertainment side of the business. We started looking at um, a luxury traveler with subsets within it. And within that, what was great is that you now had some one person who was now focused on the entire journey for that customer and then was helping to orchestrate the rest of the organization versus before there was everybody else trying to align themselves separately as part of a committee. Um, and it was a lot more successful and they have now moved um, to that model um, solely. So um, they kind of dropped the original model and, and focus on a center of excellence. And I think that that's probably in my experience, of course, with talking to brands, that's probably the best practice. That's the easiest way to get to that customer first centricity. Definitely. And speaking of customer centricity and journeys, um, this leads me to our second structural element that we looked at that's really around uh, building a holistic view of the journeys. And those are called cross-experience teams. And from our research, these types of teams help support the goal of creating a seamless customer experience by really coordinating across the customer journey, across channels and business units to deliver a unified message. This structure um, is a lot more varied than we've seen in the COE model, um, but at its core uses two components that are really important. One is having a centralized data and insights team, and secondly, a journey manager that helps coordinate that experience across segments, journeys, or journey stages, or whatever is prioritized by the company. Uh, one manifestation of this, as we've seen um, in the hotel industry, is um, um, we saw one company organize their journey managers around audiences. These journey managers looked across the journey for their audience, identified pain points and areas of opportunity, and then worked with specific business units and brands to ensure the right activities are focused on and that the experience operates smoothly across the journey for that for that audience. We actually find that travel and hospitality um, is quite mature when it comes to thinking about customer-centric experiences and cross-experience teams. Do you know, Natalie, um, and you may not, because I think it would be hard and challenging to find out, do we have some sense of, and I know you have another you know, example too as well, do we have some sense of how many brands operate in that manner compared to the I, first? I don't have um, you know, hard statistics on it, um, but I can say with confidence that the COE tends to be the most common of these structural elements that we've seen. It's often seen as kind of the first step in the evolution of uh, your digital transformation. Uh, so customer uh, cross-experience teams we found requires a little bit more digital maturity. So we see that COEs um, often come about with companies that are just starting to think about kind of digital transformation and building out these new digital capabilities. That makes sense. Um, there is a little bit of maturity map for pretty much everything in digital, as well as you know, aligning of teams. There's a, a process. In fact, it's probably harder to move people than it is to move uh, the technology. 
Great. And just one more thing I want to say on cross-experience teams that it's important to know for travel and hospitality, these teams not only help companies really put their customers or guests first, but can also help improve operations. It ensures that not only are you defining the best experience for your customer, but you're getting really smart about how to streamline your operations in order to deliver the most relevant experiences effectively. You know what? There's something about that. I think one of the the hardest things to nail, or I should say the one of the most challenging things to nail is if you have everybody doing their own work in, in a subset of channels and they're not thinking holistically, just suppression of a customer in terms of what they receive for communications can really get out of hand very quickly. And then that also drives up operational costs. So I think for me, one of the first benefits is really just um, treating the customer with kindness and not over marketing to them. And then also subsequently saving, you know, media dollars, uh, as another example, is, is making sure that you can um, not over communicate to the, to the customer base. Um, and that helps to eliminate that, I think, quite a bit. Definitely. And I just wanted to spend a few moments talking about the last structural element that our research looked at, um, which are agile marketing teams. And surely um, many people have heard about agile in the IT space, but agile marketing teams are taking that same form of agile ways of working and applying it um, in the marketing organization. And we've seen that agile marketing teams support the goal of improving speed to market because they're leveraging a cross-functional team to execute a specific business objective in an agile way of working. It's really effective um, in breaking down the traditional silos we see in companies, but it's also effective in increasing employee engagement and making employees feel that they're part of a truly digital-first, innovative company. To begin the agile process, we've seen that our customers usually start with a pilot team. This team is giving a discrete marketing project, such as working on a specific app um, for a specific region, something small and manageable. And they'll have a pilot team that's made up of a small number of cross-functional members across IT, marketing, compliance, really anyone who's needed to actually deliver on that objective. Once you've complete, uh, once you've successfully completed a pilot, we find that companies are more comfortable in trying to scale Agile across the organization. And as Agile scales, uh, you'll see that traditional marketing digital organizations are replaced with tribes um, that have a larger customer objective, like engaging new customers. And this tribe will be composed of Agile teams that bring together diverse talent across the organization to really accomplish specific objectives. The one thing I'll say about Agile is that this is something that requires a huge transformation in the way organizations typically work and therefore um, requires a lot of uh, change management. So we haven't seen too many examples of scaled Agile transformations, but it's certainly something that a lot of travel and hospitality clients are interested in thinking about, at least trying out in a pilot's more manageable uh, scale. I have definitely heard of that and also seen that in our our global um, practice for travel in terms of brands. Um, and you hear the conversation come up around agile teams and being able to operate in that manner. And, and a lot of them do express that it's a lot more challenging <laughs> than, than they would anticipate, but they would like it. And they're very much interested in, um, in that process of making that evolution happen for their organization. I have actually even seen some brands uh, implement training as well as, you know, um, spend some time, you know, bringing in outside resources to help them, get on that path. So um, another great format for uh, how brands can operate. 
Yes, and I just want to say also that even though our research looked at three different structural elements, these structural elements don't have to exist independent of each other. We've definitely seen examples of companies that are utilizing two or three um, of these elements and working them together to accomplish their goals. So although we laid out three different elements in our in our research, we've seen many combinations of companies using a COE and Agile or using a COE and cross-experience team too. Interesting. Um, I, I'd like to add on, uh, there are five, we see five core capabilities. So these brands who become experience-based businesses and, and start to have these new models for operating, uh, they have distinctly achieved capabilities that have set them above and beyond their peer set. Um, so let me share a little bit about that. There are again, five of them. Uh, the first one is context. Um, and, and when I speak about each of these, the interesting thing is that as I meet with many C-suite globally. Um, Every time I bring up a slide and I I share with them the five core capabilities, they all take notes. And they said, this is the best uh, example for them to identify, is their organization even at this place? They can very quickly look at these five core capabilities and answer the question of like, am I doing that today in my organization? Can I do this in my organization? What do I need to reach for? Um, meeting with you know many of the top airlines, many of the top hoteliers, and they all said the same thing. This is really helpful because they get some sense of directionally where are they in the space. So again, the first one is context. Uh, this is really understanding where the customers are, what their behaviors are, demographics, um, their propensities. Um, and this is the data side of the equation. So data is at the base of all experiences. It's actually I would say it's actually heavier set than um, content and delivery. Um, you really need the data to inform what you're going to do with customers. So the first thing is context and being able to have the right data around that customer to deliver a better experience um, and, and inform the, uh, the, uh, the output. The second aspect is around compelling experiences. So this is the content side. This is all about creating those personalized experiences and creating them at scale. And with this, um, we know, if, especially for many hotel brands, it's like, how do you create those localized experiences that really inspire somebody to want to engage with your brand and choose you over a competitor? So how do you bring that forward, especially with the newer generation like Gen Z? The third aspect is all around anticipate. So this is all about predicting customer needs. Um, this is where data science and machine learning come into play. You know, where's that optimal interaction, the offer, uh, the message or experience that our consumers, you know, would like to expect that we would provide to them and reduce their friction. I think reducing friction is the biggest piece of this. And this is really going to come into a big play coming up with the next gen traveler. Uh, We have some other research um, that I won't touch on broadly, but what we have seen is that the next generation of travelers, they really want us to help them with that moment of discovery and reduce the workload in order to understand what is available to them. Um, and anticipating is all around that. That's all data science and machine learning. So we know this is a key aspect. What we have seen for travel brands is around a, a 2x increase in performance in artificial intelligence. So it was around 13% the prior year. It's 26% now where brands are actually doing automation. So if you have that number in your brain and you're listening to this podcast, you kind of think, okay, am I, am, I, am I actually using AI to be more informed about what do I actually communicate to a customer? I'll give you a great example. Um, one of my favorites is Heathrow. They actually allow you to prepay for parking. During that time, they capture your license plate um, information, 
as you come into the parking garage, they scan your license plate that is fed back into one of our Adobe tools, which is called campaign with campaign. It automatically triggers a message about 15 minutes later to that customer and shows them all the offerings that they have on site. So it's like, now, you know, in real time that they've actually arrived at the airport and you can send them a specific message. Now, the interesting thing is Heathrow actually took that a step further. They have around 11,000 beacons at the airport. And if you take a step further back away from Heathrow, if you leave Heathrow and you are in another destination, that messaging actually changed because you're no longer at Heathrow Airport and it's not really relevant. So anticipation is the third component that we see experience-based businesses are able to um, provide to their customers. The fourth is all around orchestration. Now, orchestration is all about that aspect of having consistent, high-quality experiences. I think the number one thing I hear from many brands is it's a pretty big disconnect from this channel to that channel. Um, Maybe the call center is not aware of what's happening on a digital experience. Uh, Maybe there's something that's happening on mobile um, that doesn't connect with desktop. We see it across the board. Uh, So this is all about how do you ensure that whatever's happening in one channel can be ported over to the other, and especially helping to inform the analog. I think there's nothing worse than working in a space and not having knowledge of what a customer's done and you're here to provide customer service. So orchestration is the fourth capability. The fifth is all around raising the bar. Uh, This is the perspective around Kaizen or ongoing improvement. Uh, Measurement is kind of an interesting thing. You would think that pretty much every brand measures and they do to some degree, but they often say we don't quite measure all the right things or we don't often have this repeat performance of constantly raising the bar around those metrics. Like, is this the right metrics to be measuring? Is this providing value to our customers? So we see those um, top 25% of brands, those experience-based businesses, they really raise the bar and they are always analyzing their metrics and their numbers. So beyond the, um, the organizational structure and what they do, this is the five core capabilities that we see. And I'm, I'm super excited because when we are talking today on this podcast and anyone who's listening, if you think through your organization and what you're doing, um, there's a, a really, it's a really quick moment to say, am I doing X, Y, Z? And then to have some focus area of where you want to take your roadmap. Julie, Natalie, so, so grateful for your time to chat with us a little bit today. Uh, I'm interested, Julie, first from you, where, where do people start? Like if, if they want to know if they're in a good place or not, I know you talked about the five capabilities. Where would you recommend they actually start? So I would start with data. <laughs> data is at the core. If you if you don't know how you're doing today and you don't know where you are, you don't know where to go, you don't know what to reach for. Um, so I would definitely start with a base of you know becoming a data-driven organization, just um, making sure that you're tracking, measuring, analyzing, segmenting everything that you possibly can that would be relevant to your business, and then providing that to the organization at large so everybody has some, some insights Um, that they can turn to even in their own work. I mean, there's the whole aspect around organizationally changing. I think the stopgap, you know, once you have the data is to then uh, form some type of a loose committee in absence of uh, an organizational change where you come together and look at the data and the numbers and really start thinking about putting that customer first. Here's what we understand about them broadly. And then let's put the customer first and think about what that means. And then break it back down to all of our individual silos and say, what does that mean for my work? What does that mean for your work? And then how do we work together? I think collaboration is key. Um, And then having the data to to empower the organization. Interesting. 
Natalie, what about you? Where would you start? Where do you consult people to start as they as they move on this digital transformation journey? Yeah, so when thinking about um, making this sort of transformation, we always recommend first gaining C-level executive buy-in. You want to have sponsorship from the very top, often multiple C-level executives to show that this is a priority. And then secondly, we all often recommend making sure you're aligned on your KPIs. We want to create incentives within the organization that reinforce this new way of working. And lastly, it's also very helpful to, to really develop and communicate that shared vision across the across the organization using your C-level sponsors. You want to create a unified understanding of what the future state would look like by implementing this, this organizational change so that you can excite people throughout the organization and throughout leadership. Awesome. Julie, I want to pop back over to you just for a minute to give us some final thoughts. You've shared some really good capabilities, some great research today about about what people, what companies specifically should be doing to make sure that they're set up for digital marketing and digital transformation success. Closing thoughts on what we've heard today. So what I would say is that on top of what we've learned about how structures are organized and what you can do, and and there's obviously a process uh, for every organization, no matter where they are and how to achieve that. Um, the benefits are clear. <laughs> so uh, I talked earlier around um, the 25% of brands who have become experience-based businesses. Uh, we saw a 2x increase in revenue, but we also see other metrics that are also bubbling up to the service. Uh, one, um, there's an ability to enhance loyalty. So we see a 1.7x increase in those uh, metrics around loyalty. We also see that there's an, a, an increase in the ability to attract customers, uh, an increase in brand awareness that pops up about 1.8x over the norm. And then the retention goes up as much as the revenue. We see a 2x increase in those net promoter scores or seat set scores uh, for customer brands. Um, what I would say is that no matter where you are on the journey, and, and it can be as fast or as slow as, as however your company is operating in terms of its migration, um, but make sure that when you start, um, you get a really good sense of where you are and then have a good, clear line of sight. So all the great stuff that Natalie provided today of where you want to go and what that might look like. So you can map a plan to get there. I mean, at the end of the day, no one's going to start exactly where they want to be. But being really clear with across the organization of where you are today gives you a good sense of how you can improve over time. So take the time to, uh, to really do that benchmarking. And then these stats are really helpful in terms of the, you know, the C-suite and the board of directors uh, to really understand that there is going to be a significant impact to the bottom line in a positive way. This is overall going to help the business to grow. So it's worth the time and the investment to make this happen. Great comments. Natalie, to close us out, give us your your recap of what we've learned and taught today. Yeah, so when you're thinking about organizational structure and going through a digital transformation, it's always important to think about what's the end goal, what's the challenge you're trying to address, and using that as a guiding point. Uh, to thinking about what structural elements make sense. Is it, do you want to develop digital capabilities at scale, create seamless experiences, improve your speed to market, stay ahead? Uh, These kinds of discussions and questions around what you're prioritizing in your end goals will really help you think about what structural elements make sense for my organization. Julie, Natalie. What a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Everybody, make sure you check out some of the additional detail and links and assets that we share Uh, associated with this podcast. Uh, Great information. Natalie and Julie, thanks for coming today. Thank Thank you. you. Have a great day.